with laptops, cell phone, etc. Thank you. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 9. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, whose walk in the Torah of Adonai. Happy are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart, who also do no injustice, but walk in his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways were steadfast to observe your decrees. Then I would not be ashamed when I consider all your misfortunes. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous judgments. I will, will observe your statutes. Never abandon me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Thank you, Tracy. Bar and bar and bat mitzvah uh, has been described as a rite of passage where a young person goes from being a young person to some degree of adulthood. Um, and by the way, traditionally, um, the father would say, Blessed are you, Lord our God, who has delivered me from the burden of that one. Uh, in case you think that that sounds like a uh, father being dismissive of his child, what that means is that, um, in, again according to tradition, that goes back several hundred years, um, a child, a, a, a boy or a girl, actually, up until about 50 years ago, it was only boys. Um, a child is considered to be responsible uh, for himself, uh, before God and the community, for uh, his decision spiritually. Now, obviously, if you are a parent, you know as well as I do that uh, being a parent doesn't stop when when a child is 13 or 18 or 28 or sometimes more. You get my picture. But uh, that's the notion of the rite of passage. Um, for me, the rite of passage has some different connotation. Uh, and, and you might think it's funny, but Rite of passage reminds me of bungee jumping. Um, and you, you say, what? Um, in the island of um, Pentecost, in, um, in the South Pacific, in Vanuatu, Vanuatu, excuse me, um, about 50 years ago, they, they had this custom of having the boy get up to a very high platform and then attach his ankle to a vine 
and then having him jump from the platform uh, and actually make impact with with the soil, uh, just enough to put the fear of God into them, but not really hurt them. Uh, and then uh, National Geographic uh, decided to have that as as one of their articles in, 19, in the 1970s. And of course, uh, people decided to emulate that, and uh, henceforth, bungee jumping. Uh, we're not expecting that Joshua will engage in bungee jumping. But we have great expectations um, because we've seen that Joshua is some a young fellow who has a a heart for God. Um, so this is a mile marker for him, and uh, because he's serious and committed, and that's something I've seen as I've worked with him. A greater degree of commitment that I've seen in a young fellow his age. Um, and so the passage I wanted to share some thoughts with you comes from uh, Psalm 118, the passage that uh, Tracy read, the verses. Um, we think that it was probably, probably written by a young man uh, who was learning what it means to know God's commandments and to follow them. Um, a great deal of zeal is communicated in him, or by him rather, and particularly in verse 1 where he said, happy are those who, whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Now I don't know about you, the word happy doesn't really do much for me. sometimes think about happiness as, as a good meal, since I'm Jewish it always has to connect with food. Um, going in and having a festive meal with my wife. However, happiness is very transitory because after you've experienced the happiness, uh, those of us who get on the highway are aware of the fact that there is people who are inclined uh, to want to get to know you closer than a brother. Um, and I don't know what it does for you, but for me, it uh, makes the happiness uh, dissipate very quickly uh, because I, I had had an accident in which my car was totaled because someone was getting a little too friendly. Uh, and so, again, happiness is really not the great sense that is mentioned there. Um, blessed is usually, uh, often translated as that. Um, the, the Hebrew word ashrei, um, and I'm sure Dr. Delaire can give us all kinds of derivations from a number of different Semitic languages. But I'll, I'll give you just a, a couple of thoughts. Um, Hebrew has a couple of basic words for, uh, for being blessed. One of those is ashrei, the one that's used here, uh, which has the sense of being uh, someone who, who is to be envied, 
because they experience all kinds of good things. Um, part of the picture for a person who is ashray, ashab, is someone who has made a decision uh, to follow God. The other Hebrew word is, is uh, baruch, which is a word that's connected with God. God is to be blessed, and He blesses us. Um, so how does that work? Uh, for me, it, it reminds me of the people mover um, at the airport. You say, what? Um, you know what I'm talking about, I think, I hope, that you, you come to the people mover and you take basic steps to get on it, and once you're on it, it moves you. And to some extent, this is a process, like, likewise, that happens um, between us and God. Um, God expects us to, to make choices, um, and then His power carries us along. Um, what does that look like? Well, certainly does not um, mean that that we are uh, in a carefree existence because God is in our life. As Joshua was saying, part of their reality was the fact that the whole family just about got sick. God was very much there. Um, there is a, a different, a greater reality, perhaps. Um, another way to translate this word is joy. And remember that joy is related to happiness, but it has better, it does a better job of conveying uh, reality instead of happiness. A, joy is not transitory. It doesn't come and uh, disappear like, like mist um, because it is related to, it, it is connected to our relationship with God. Um, and so because of that, uh, joy is something that is consistent because our relationship with God doesn't disappear because circumstances are difficult. So all that to say, um, this is mentioning the fact that uh, a person who determines um, to follow God, follow God's commandments, uh, experience this basic reality of being blessed. Um, not a perfect existence by any stretch. Sometimes when we make a decision to honor God, it seems like all hell breaks loose. However, in and through all kinds of circumstances, we know the presence of God. And that makes a difference. So, Question number two, and I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you to uh, provoke you to think um, about exactly what, what this passage means. What does it mean to be blameless? Uh, some some uh, translations render it as perfect. Now, I don't know about you, um, that dismisses me right off the bat because it's been a long time since I've been perfect. Or blameless, for that matter. 
Um, this certainly does not mean perfection like a flawless diamond, because reality is all of us have flaws. You live long enough, you understand the fact that you have flaws. And even people like uh, Job and Abraham, who were described as being, uh, in Abraham's case, a friend of God, and Job being described as as a man who was blameless, uh, neither one of them was perfect in the sense of doing everything perfectly. Uh, they were prone to mistakes and sins. So then the next word that I wanted to park on for a few minutes um, was a person who walks according to God's commandments. Now, um, as Joshua expressed it, uh, being a believer is a lot more than giving mental assent to a uh, basic uh, bunch of uh, basic uh, grouping of truths, God's truths. Yeah, that has to be there, obviously. But being a believer means being someone who is committed to action. And that is why scripture uses this word over and over and over again uh, in referring to our relationship with God, our walk with God. Why? Because he gives us instructions and then he expects us to follow those instructions or to walk in them. Um, you may remember or you may you may know that uh, rabbinic law is considered as walking. It's called halakha. Um, so another word that I wanted to, to mention is law. Um, again, not a word that is very user-friendly or very appealing to us. Uh, when we think of laws, we usually think of something that is very restrictive. Um, not user-friendly by any stretch. For me, uh, a major impact of laws is when I drive, and I, I have been, I was going to say blessed, I'm not sure that's a blessing, I, I have a lead foot. And I learned to drive in New York City, which if you know anything about New York driving, you're taught to go from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Uh, and that's been deeply embedded into my DNA, so uh, that's my justification, supposedly. Um, however, every so often I, I, I'm reminded about law because I see these signs uh, reminding me that I better watch it so that I'm not going above the law. Uh, again, not something that is very comfortable. We certainly don't like to think about law as defining our relationship with God. Um, however, it would help us to know that the Hebrew word there is not law in a sense of um, laws that define our finances, taxes, and so on. But the Hebrew word there, Torah, is best translated as instruction. And I'll give you an example of how it's used elsewhere. Psalm 25 eight, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs 
sinners in his way. In other words, God gives us instructions because he knows that we need those instructions. Otherwise, we are like sheep. Well, we are sheep. Uh, they tend to go in all kinds of directions. So, happy, blessed, joyful is the person who is engaging in learning God's commands. Uh, but as you can imagine, this is not a linear process. Um, in our learning about God, in our learning to apply His commandments, we obviously have ups and downs. Um, in fact, the psalmist says here, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in a vain or decrees. He gets the fact that he is not consistent. Uh, he fails to be absolutely consistent. And so the question then is, um, how does he relate to God when he fails, when he's not consistent? Now, I think sometimes we tend to put facades uh, to consider that in order for people to like us, we have to present the good side. Well, that may sort of work with people. Uh, it certainly does not work with God because He has X-ray vision. He can see through all the nonsense that we sometimes present to Him. So, yes, the psalmist here says, um, in, this is 119.6, I would not be put to shame uh, when I consider your commandments. In other words, I want to be consistent so that when I, you and I have a conversation, i.e. himself and God, that he would not have to continue to say, God, I blew it, and I blew it, and, and I messed up, and I messed up, and so on and so forth. However, part of reality is it happens. You live long enough and you realize that perfection exists in one place. Up there, not with us. Um, so, does God look for perfection in us? And, and I've been around folks who are convinced that that's the case. And I can tell you something, folks. That's a recipe for insanity thinking that you can please God in every single, in every single capacity. Um, it's much healthier to say, God, um, I am certainly not capable of living up to all your expectations. So, what has to happen here? Well, um, what God is looking for is the heart. That is something you see over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. That what God is interested in first and foremost is what takes place in our heart. Verse 2 of this chapter, Joyful are those who keep or obey God's statutes and search for Him with all their hearts. Now what does it mean to search for God Wholeheartedly. In my mind, as, as I look at that and consider life, my life, and um, what it means to, to be a follower of Messiah, it, it, it is associated with 
the nose. And what do I mean by that? We point our noses in the right direction uh, because that's where our heart is. Pointing our nose towards God and saying, God, this is where I want to be. Wholeheartedly following you. Knowing full well that I'm limited by my uh, foolishness, my sin. Um, however, I want to learn. And I want to see your instructions become installed in my cell phone and in my computer. In other words, part of my, my emotional and spiritual DNA. That is my desire to grow in, in knowing God's direction, God's instruction, so that we can learn and follow. And that is what the psalmist tells us later on. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Um, knowing that God's commandments, God's instruction, provide the needed direction, the needed encouragement, um, gives us joy. puts it this way, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoice, rejoices in great riches. Also, I delight in your decrees, I will not neglect your word. So a lot of that, folks, comes back to our attitude towards God, our attitude towards what he tells us to do. Uh, we can either take a fairly passive-aggressive approach where we say, okay, God, uh, you tell me to do such and such, I'm really not interested in doing it, I'll do it because I know otherwise you will punish me, you know, the, the two-by-four approach. Or you can learn the basic reality that God's instructions are given for our good and that as we learn to embrace them, and as we learn to seek God, and as we learn to get uh, understanding of, of those instructions, and as we learn to apply them, we know that we'll be indeed blessed, um, joyful, to some extent happy. Um, but this is something that this whole chapter uh, talks to us over and over and over and over again. Uh, 176 verses uh, that keep coming back to this notion of God's instruction, God's Torah, God's laws uh, are given for our benefit. Instead of viewing that as punitive, um, as designed to restrict us, they're designed to give us blessing. So I, I was delighted um, to hear Joshua's uh, speech when he first presented it to me. And when he described God as the boss man of all existence. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, I have never heard someone describing God in those terms. <laughs> um, 
but it is such a crystal clear expression of simple reality. Do we know and understand and embrace and live on the, on the reality that God is in charge of our life? Or do we have a sort of pushing, pulling kind of an approach where we say, God, uh, I'll obey you when I think to do so, when I like it, uh, or when I'm afraid that you'll come and use a two-by-four on me? Or do we have the same kind of a perspective that, that this psalmist, this poet, actually, this is who he is, um, that embraces and pursues it and says, God, this is where I want to go. I point my nose in that direction and know I'm not going to be perfect and know the process is not linear. It goes up and down, up and down. However, it's a growth process so that a year from now you can look back your life and you can say, you know, I have learned more about who God is, I've learned more about His instructions, I've learned more about His values, and what's more, that has become part of my personal DNA. I also, by the way, loved Joshua's description of his mission in life. And you might have caught it or not, so let me give it to you again. Uh, he says, I have been created to spread the love of God and the good news throughout the world. And, here's his explanation for it. He says, this is something that begins with what God does in you and overflows to others. Uh, I don't know, folks, that's profound, isn't it? Because so much of what we consider spiritual life and quote-unquote religion, which is a term I hate, by the way, uh, has to do with guilt and obligation. I have to do this or else God is going to take and, and punish me. Instead of saying, uh, this is what God has done. He's worked this into me. And because I know it is good stuff, I want to see to it that it's passed on to others. Not like someone who uh, is pesky and obnoxious, but someone who simply says, this is who I am, this is what has taken place. I want others to know about it. And so, um, I have no doubt that if Joshua grows, there will be all sorts of challenges and many things competing for his attention to the strength of God. But at least as far as I'm concerned, this is a wonderful beginning as he steps into his teen years. And on a somewhat different note, I want to remind us all that Joshua has two families. His natural family, to which he was born, um, his parents, grandparents, and others who love him. He also has a spiritual family here at the Shorts People who love him and who have come to appreciate who he is. And yes, Joshua is responsible before God for how he lives his life, how he invests 
the wonderful gifts of heaven that he's forgiven. Yet for us who love him from both families, it is our responsibility to encourage him as he navigates through what sometimes are turbulent teen years of growing up. So just like this young psalmist who says, God, I want to know you wholeheartedly. I want to learn about your commandments. I want to follow and obey them. Because I've learned that your commandments bring me joy, bring me blessing. We're seeing that in the life of Joshua. And it is a challenge for all of us then, to say, Lord, I want to be like this young fellow. I want to be, first of all, like who you are. But also, this is a good example I want to emulate, believe it or not. So let's pause and pray. Thank you, Lord God. That your word is a lamp to our feet and light on our path. Thank you, Lord, that you are good and upright, therefore you instruct sinners in your way. Thank you, Lord God, that you open our eyes to see that reality and that you give us soft hearts to pursue your truth and your instruction wholeheartedly. I pray for each of us, Lord God, that you will cause us to grow in that process, Lord, to learn more about you, to learn about what it means to follow you, and to obey you and experience the blessing that you have for us as we do that. We ask this all in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. Yeah.